Welcome to Checks and Balances. On this week's episode, we're lucky enough to have Sean McGurvin. Uh, he's a partner at Hague Lion. Sean's been a lawyer for 20 years. So we get questions when it comes to the legal field all the time. So we thought it'd be great to have Sean come on the podcast, give some tips, ways that he might be able to help you or your lawyer might be able to help you, areas to watch out. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. This is Sean McGurvin. And this week, property transactions from a lawyer's perspective. So Sean, uh, Mike and I run a lot of webinars and businesses. One of the ones we run is around tips for buying your first home. And one common thing we find is if your parents haven't taught you about money, if you haven't bought a home before, unless you've gone and done a lot of research or not mm. know a lawyer, you don't really know what's involved in the process, who you're meant to go and talk to, when are you meant to go and talk to them about. Mm. So hopefully we can provide a little bit of education in that area today. Let, let me ask you a, probably a simple question, but maybe a longer answer, is what is the solicitor's job in the property transaction process? Yeah, yeah. that's a good, one. Good, good place to start. So a lawyer's job is to basically make sure that the property that the person is buying is suitable for what they need. Uh, and so that involves correspondence with the client in terms of what is it that they're looking for, in terms of their wish list, um, and where they want to buy, what type of property they want to buy. As you know, there's a million different types of properties out there. So a lawyer can actually help to focus in on that, whether it's an apartment or whether it's uh, you know, a, a first bit of land that they're going to move the family into, whether they're going to build on it, whether they're yeah. going to buy it as an investment property whole lot of things there which they should be asking their lawyers about because what that's going to help do is fine-tune the lawyer's due diligence down on the property. And that's really why you want to get the lawyer involved is because they're going to be telling the client what it is about the property that they need to know. You know, there's various things that they'll look at. There'll be the title, mm -hmm. which is obviously there's variations on the types of titles there. There's a fee simple title, there's a cross lease title, there's a unit title, mm. there's a lease on Stratum and Freel, there's all sorts, all of, sorts stuff. of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they go on and they can be quite scary propositions unless you know what they are. And that's where you want the lawyer to be able to tell you in very, very plain English what it is that they're actually buying, what they need to be aware of, and all the little intricacies that are there. Um, gold standard, fee simple, you know, that my house is my castle, yeah. sort of type thing, I can do what I want with it. Cross leases, I'm a little bit beholden to my neighbours. Mm -hmm. What I have to, you know, if I'm going to change the house around, I've got to get their permission to do so. I'm going to have, going to, have to change the survey plan around if I do it. All those sorts of little things there and they can do the same for them. So there's all those little intricacies, uh, body corporates, what are they involved, body corporate levies, mm. how much are they, body corporate rules, what can I do, what can't I do in there? Um, you know, wh whose responsibility is it for maintenance on the property? Is that common property or is yeah. it a principal unit? So that's all the sort of information that you should be drawing out of your uh, lawyer from them when they do a review of the title and explain that to you and, and give you a rundown of what easements are there, what covenants are over the property. There's sometimes covenants on the property which mean that you can only build to a certain height yeah. or you can only build to a certain standard. And if you breach those, then obviously you can be asked to pull those back down. So it's an expensive exercise if you don't mm. actually know what it was. So I've, I've seen situations before where people have built over the height restriction covenant, then had to pull the roof back down or come to some sort of agreement with the neighbour to vary mm. that. Mm. Um, so all costly exercises which could have been avoided uh, through good correspondence with their solicitor. They'll look at a limb report, an information memorandum which tells the purchaser a lot about that particular property. Is there works that have been done on there that haven't been signed off by council? Yeah. Um, 
is there anything that's outstanding, which um, you know, is the overland flow paths which is water running through the property which they're going to need to take into consideration because there might be a 1 in 10, 1 in 50, or 1 in 100 year storm which means or shows the indication of how likely it is that they might get flooded. Yeah. Um, so they need to have an understanding about that. There might be zoning issues there in terms of what they can or can't do if they're wanting to at some stage develop a property. You know, so mm. that will all be put out in the loan and that's what the um, lawyers should be explaining to a client right from the very start. So they know that when they're going to put up their hands in an auction or whether they're going to put in an agreement that they know the property that they're looking to go and buy. Limb report as well, once they've got that, they could also give it to the builder and say, hey look, here's a limb report, this is what our lawyers told us. When you're doing the inspection, can you look out for anything that may not have been consented in there because that's a good indication that's there. The flow-on effect for that is that they might have got finance approved, which mm. is great before you go to it, but if there's issues with works that have not been signed off on, that can have implications for their finance because the banks yep. don't want to have any unconsented building works there normally unless they've got an explanation as to how they're going to deal with it, mm. or even worse, um, it could affect the insurance because yep. if there's unconsented stuff there, uh, the insurance company may not insure it, and if the insurance company won't insure it, the bank won't fund it. Yep. Yeah. So there's lots of flow-on effects that can come from um, from what the due diligence that a lawyer does there. Yeah. And here I was thinking you guys just got people to sign the loan documents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting, it makes me think when you mentioned auctions, um, when I was looking for a place when I moved back to Auckland last year, uh, we lost five auctions in a row, yeah. and it's very tempting as kind of, you know, mm. you get beaten up, you get beaten up, you get beaten up, you're like, hate this, don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. The due diligence, yeah, it's cost me a bit of money. Yeah. I just, and I remember going to one where I was thinking about this quite quick and going, oh, can't really be bothered doing it, it looks fine. And um, the building report found a lot of leaky problems with a wall in the garage. Um, there was unconsented work that my solicitor picked up. And I remember seeing the person who won the house and yeah. you know, the mum was sitting there, she was jumping up and down at the auction. Yeah. They were bidding away. I just remember going, you guys have not done any due diligence. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The, the only justification I could give, and especially you think about the property market, mm. the back end of last year, how crazy things were. I'm sure there was a lot of people just yeah. chucking their hand up. And oh, We've got another example is where we were looking at a particular property for a, a client in the suburb. Uh, the limb report came through and all it had was proposed modification and just gave this number. Mm. And if it hadn't been for us doing the additional work on that, we wouldn't have realised that there was actually going to be a railway line going along the back of their property. Oh, and they were about to drop about 1.3, 1.4 million on yeah, this property. Yeah, yeah. Of which it happened because no one knew. Yeah. But our buyer, uh, you know, purchaser and client then obviously understood what was going on, decided he didn't really want the train tracks mm. at the back of his backyard for 1.4 million. Yeah. And so I uh, gladly pulled out of it. but. You know, that was money well worth spent there mm. with the lawyer. Whereas, you know, the one person that's 1.4 now may not still realise that there's going to be at some stage a train track going on the back yeah, of it, yeah, potentially, yeah. Uh, until that train track starts coming along. Great infrastructure, though. I mean, that, that can be a selling point. One train straight into Brittemar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is a, um, you do raise an important point there where you sort of said that um, people get fatigued um, during the house buying process if they are losing auctions about doing the due diligence and paying the money every time, but you, it, it raises a good point is, look at how much money you are spending yep. um, and just keep that in mind when you're, when you're sort of thinking, ah, oh, do I need to spend this little bit here and that little bit there? Have a chat with your lawyers as well. Like we do um, for special clients, which have, uh, offer it to your clients as well, is that you know, we might say to you, look, if you don't get it, it'll be 450 plus just an disbursement at auction. At least that way they can come back 
mm. and and do it. Whereas you know that can roll on quite a bit. So yeah. it's a good one to have a chat with your lawyers. We'll we'll give it to any real clients as well. They come and say, hey, look, heard about this from these guys. Yeah. And and help help me out there and help them out. This keeps their deposit together. Yeah. It's a good yeah. way to do it because it almost feels like you're restarting every time. And Mikey must know that when you kind of you call the client after the auction and they go. Yes, Michael, and go, okay, so didn't. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that, I don't hear champagne corks popping. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've, we've been beaten again. And you will, in, in a competitive market, you do see that, you know, the people will lose two, three, four, five auctions. Um, and, you know, the flip side of that is also um, if they are um, uh, low deposit, high LVR, quite often they have to get a registered valuation on each property as well. Mm. Um, and so it does start to add up. But once again, you know, it, it, when you look at the amount of money you're spending, it just, it's, it's worth going through the proper DD. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, Sean, we spoke a lot about the due diligence side. Let's say you've, you've kind of coached me through it, found this great house, the train is a reasonable distance away without being too close. <laughs> uh, what happens once uh, I've, I've got the house, uh, well, as in I'm uh, unconditional on the house, yep. when I go to move the house into my name, What's, what's involved from that, mm. that side? So there's different, uh, I suppose when you've finally got that house, whether it be by negotiation or auction, um, coming to the lawyers, again, another important part because that's going to facilitate the loan documents coming from the bank. Yeah. But you want to have that chat with the lawyer early on in the piece as well, as it might be depending on what your position is or your situation, whether it's relationship or um, work or you know liabilities there, you might want to structure it in another way. So it might be that you want to put it into a trust or have something like that. So yeah. one of the... Uh, important things then is to have that conversation really early on mm-hmm. with uh, the lawyer and the broker and the banker and the like that's there because what you don't want is last minute to go oh that'd be a really good idea to have a trust in place yeah because if you have that oh don't have that then that's going to affect it so um have that chat early on you can arrange the finance through it banks are so used to having trust in place as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. then we facilitate by getting the loan documents together making sure you're happy with and comfortable with all the terms and understand what the mortgage is getting the loan documents the transfer documents done and hopefully, if you've got good lawyers, it should be a relatively smooth process from unconditional there. Give you a bit of advice about when to do your pre-settlement inspection, because mm-hmm. that's really important as well. If you don't get that right, and you do it the day before, and you try and raise an objection on the last mm-hmm. day, you're out. So yeah. that's why you need to do it at least sort of two day, two working days before um, settlement. Yeah. So there's lots of little tidbits like that that your lawyer should be giving it through, especially first-time buyers. It's mm-hmm. a, a nervous time. It should be one that's actually a bit of fun. Yeah. And so there's a bit of hand-holding, but that's part of the fun for us is mm. seeing young clients come through, get their first home, and actually enjoy the experience as opposed to thinking that was a catastrophe, I don't want to go through it again. Yeah, and that, that sort of that timing around when you're getting this information and making these decisions, especially with the structure around trusts, companies, and that sort of thing, when people try and do it at the last minute, it's just it's a nightmare for everyone. And it's not that the banks can't do it, but they move at a certain pace and there's only so much you can rush them. And the last thing you want to be doing is delaying settlement. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a complete nightmare. And, you know, it is always a very personal transaction. These are large sums of money. These are people's houses, mm-hmm. um, which increases the stress further. Um, so, yeah, you just, you just want to make sure that all of this is in place early and you've spoken to your solicitor and everyone's clear on the structure. Yeah, completely. Couldn't agree mm-hmm. more there. It makes me think of when you say that... Um pre-settlement inspection, I remember <laughs> moving out of my place and we were moving out the day before um, 
uh, the day of settlement and getting a call being like, you know, we're not happy with the stove, one of the gas yeah. hubs isn't working. And as you're packing boxes, yeah. trying to call people and be like, I need somebody to come and yeah. actually, I just like, you know what, stuff these guys, like that's not enough notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a very good, good shout. Um, one last question, Sean, before we wrap it up. Yep. Uh, Mike's spoken to us before, he reckons it about, on average for first home buyers, about 50% of their deposit is KiwiSaver. Mm, yeah. How, uh, how do we manage KiwiSaver effectively through, like in terms of when should we be giving a provider notice? And those I think of? as soon as, you, uh, well, having that chat with them first up to find out what their process is yeah. and get, getting all the forms there is important. Um, I would say property is all about time management. So mm. the more that you do it at the front end, the easier it becomes at the back end. So with KiwiSaver, as soon as you've got that property, look to try and get those and we've got certain time frames with them which we've got to comply with to get those in for KiwiSaver providers to actually process those and take yeah. them through. So I'd just say as soon as you've got it through, get in touch, tell them you want to do a KiwiSaver or draw it down, get the form signed as soon as possible to the lawyers so that we can give the undertaking yeah. and then we can roll on from there. Mm. Yeah. Great. Okay. And one last question, which I'm sure everybody's thinking about who hasn't bought a house before, um, whether it's Hagline or kind of a general idea. I know it's going to depend on how much time you're investing yeah. into the process, mm. but just give us a range. How much is this going to cost us? Oh, look, it can it can range. As you said, different properties have more involved in it, but I'd sort of budget somewhere between maybe two to two, two and a half, um, plus just the disbursements on that. So, mm. you know, if you put away two to $3,000 uh, for your total conveyancing costs, that's probably going to ensure that you're getting the job done properly. Yeah. You can have, by all means, um, less money put aside mm. and be charged less but the problem is is as lawyers you've still got to make money mm. the way that they would make money out of that is by not putting the time into by cutting legal service, transactions yeah. cutting cutting taking shortcuts on mm. that not getting the appropriate searches and not giving the appropriate advice mm. and that's as you point quite already pointed out there is um the key is making sure you're spending an appropriate amount of money to make sure you get the right dd because it's a hell of a lot of money for you to get get wrong mm. yeah. and with most people's loans and the cash back that they receive from the bank you should be able to cover that yeah um, exactly it's, it's it's fairly typical for people to cover those costs with the cash contribution yeah mm. yeah okay. well i think this has been a, a really valuable episode sean mm. um questions that we get asked all the time remember engage with your solicitor early when you're thinking about purchasing purchasing a home if you don't have a solicitor come and talk to sean and the team at, <laughs> team at hague we'll yeah uh, and if and if you've got any more questions pop them in the comment section we'll ask, uh, answer them in a future episode otherwise we'll see you next week cheers cheers